Good morning, everyone, and welcome to One Tribe Online. It's great to be with you. My name is Mbonisi. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get into the conclusion of our four-part series on heaven. God, we want to thank you for the privilege of worshipping you together, of being able to gather online. We thank you for what you've been doing in this meeting and over recent weeks as we've been considering the subject of heaven. And God, I pray for every person listening in, wherever we are on our spiritual journey, I ask that you would strengthen, I ask that you would encourage, I ask that you would direct, I ask that you would inspire through your word and by your spirit. And everyone said, Amen. Did you see it coming? I wonder if you saw it coming. I'm talking, of course, about 2020. On December the 31st of 2019, as I went to sleep earlier probably than somebody should on New Year's Eve, if you had said to me that in the coming year, these are the things that are going to happen, I don't think that I would have believed you. If you had said to me that there was going to be a virus that would sweep across the world, that would make everyone around the world wear face masks, and that lockdown and shutdown would be part of our household vocabularies, that economies would grind to a halt, that it would become impossible to move from one country to the next door country, I don't think I'd have believed you. And if that wasn't more than enough for one year, COVID-19 and all of its health implications and social implications, in recent weeks we've encountered the uh, new manifestation, the awakened manifestation, if you like, of the Black Lives Matter movement's response to systemic racism and injustice. These are absolutely massive issues that are changing the world, that are changing life as we know it. I didn't see this coming, and at times in this year, in 2020, you can be tempted to think, like I do very often, man, it's like everything has been turned upside down and back to front. What is next? And as we go through times like that, it can be a little bit unsettling. It can be a little bit scary, even societal upheaval and personal upheaval. But in the midst of all of that, I've been encouraged by a brief conversation I had with an actuary friend of mine. We were talking about things and I, I said to him, his name is Calvin, he's one of our elders here. I said, man, do you, do you think the insurance companies will be okay? Because won't they be wiped out by claims of different kinds at this time? And uh, he didn't bat an eyelid and he actually said to me, well, insurance companies actually prepare for one in 200 year events. COVID-19, that's like a one in 70, one in 80 year event. And so don't worry, the insurance companies will be okay. Insurance companies see things like this coming and they prepare in a way that helps them be ready to get through it. And wonderfully for you and I, the word of God saw this coming, even if you and I may not have seen this coming. And uh, we might be thinking, man, has anything like this ever happened before? Well, periodically in history, there are seasons of major upheaval. And actually, at the time that the Bible passage that we're going to be reading this morning was written, the world was going through a period of incredible upheaval, particularly for Christians. And uh, a few decades after Jesus had died, uh, one of his disciples called John was exiled. He was 
um, sent to the island of Patmos. And that was a part of the outbreak of persecution against the Christian church. And as the Christian church was going through incredible things, incredible pressure, John was given a vision to encourage the church through times of enormous upheaval. And uh, what he wrote down has become known as the Revelation of John. And uh, it's been described as a trumpet call to faith. And it's designed, this is great, John's book is designed, its purpose is to strengthen the faith, hope, and resolution of the church as it faces its ultimate trial. John was living at a time when followers of Jesus needed incredible encouragement. And it's interesting the way that he found that encouragement under the inspiration of God, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is he was able to give the church of that time an insight into heaven's perspective of what was happening spiritually and what would happen at the end. Or to take a popular phrase, John got a glimpse of the end game. And when he got a glimpse of the end game, it changed the way that he and everyone who got this letter of his viewed absolutely everything. When we see the end game, it gives us a new perspective beyond what we would otherwise have. When we see the end game, we get encouragement, what the Bible describes as eternal encouragement. And we're trusting for that as we get into scripture now. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Revelation chapter 21. We're in the second last chapter of the Bible. And the Bible um, unfolds from the beginning of history in Genesis chapter 1 to the end of history in Revelation chapter 22. And we're right at the end game here. And this is what happens in the end. And it's relevant to you and I today. Revelation 21, 1 says this. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first, uh, first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, get this, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. There's so much good stuff that we could pull out of this, out of just these few verses, but I want to really focus on, on two things. Um, one, if you like, is about uh, game over, and the second is about the game changer. Here at the end of history, God calls game over on a number of things. Actually, in Revelation 21 and 22, in the last two chapters of the Bible, God calls game over on seven things, 
five of them we see in these verses here. Revelation 21.1 says that there was no longer any sea. Well, why is that important? Well, if you look at the sea in Revelation, but also in the book of Daniel, which we've been studying recently as a church, out of the sea come evil empires and emperors and evil uh, systems of government and oppression. That's where they come from in the uh, language of the Bible, out of the sea. And that's why when the Bible says there's no more sea, Man, there'd be a cheer go up in the churches that originally received this letter as they think, wow, an end to oppression, an end to systemic injustice. God calls game over. God says that there'll be no more pain, pain of different kinds, physical pain, mental pain, emotional pain. When is the last time you felt pain? When is the last time that you were moved to tears? The Bible says there's a time coming of no more crying, no more mourning, and no more death. And that statement, man, the Bible says that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And there is a time coming when there will be no more death. Those are five out of our seven. The other two, and later on, we see that there's no more night and there's no more curse. The curse is lifted. We saw the curse come in in Genesis chapter three, right at the beginning of the story. And the Bible says, friends, we can look forward to a time when there is no more curse. What does that mean for you and I today? We can look forward to a time when there'll be no more COVID, no more racism, no more tribalism, no more corruption. This phrase here, um, there'll be no more crying. Uh, I would guess it's what inspired a song by one of my favorite songwriters. His name is Andrew Peterson. And uh, he wrote a song called After the Last Tear Falls. And remember, we're doing this to get perspective. We're doing this to get encouragement in the times that we're going through now. And in this uh, song, you can Google it, and uh, I think it'll bless you. But one verse he talks about, after the last plan fails, after the last siren wails, after the last young husband sails off to join the war, after the last... This marriage is over after the last young girl's innocence is stolen, after the last years of silence that won't let a heart open. And he says, there is love, love, love. Friends, that time is coming. And the Bible says in these verses that God himself will wipe away our tears. It's kind of a paradox, but not really. In heaven, there'll be no crying, but there will be a point in time where the Bible says, whatever you've been through in terms of pain, mourning, crying, or death, God himself will wipe your tears away. At the end, God calls game over on a number of things. But at the end, there's also a game changer. 
in these verses we see that there comes a point in time where God calls game over on some things, but then there's a point of massive change in Revelation verse 21. Verse 1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The Bible says there's a time coming with a new heaven and a new earth. I love what uh, the great uh, theologian Wayne Grudem said. This is really important. I want you to get this. It's one of the most important things you can get out of this talk. Wayne Grudem said this. He said, Christians often talk about living with God in heaven forever. But in fact, the biblical teaching is richer than that. It tells us that there will be new heavens and a new earth, an entirely renewed creation, and we will live with God there. What does that mean, friends? When you look at the end of history, it's not that everyone who believes in Jesus goes up. It's that there's a new heavens and a new earth. And as we read, we see a new Jerusalem, which represents the followers of God, the church, the bride of Christ coming down from God, down to earth. Friends, at the end of history, we don't go up, but heaven comes down Heaven, the dwelling place of God, meets earth, the dwelling place of man, and the dwelling place of God, and the dwelling place of man become one. And the Bible says God dwells amongst us forever, and that place is the new heavens and the new earth. This is, this, this, this is hugely significant. Why is it significant? Because it means God didn't just plan to rescue and Jesus didn't just die to rescue our souls. But like it says in verse 5, God said, I am making everything new. Not I'm making everyone new. He's doing that, but that's part of him making everything new. The way the Apostle Paul put it in the book of Romans chapter 8, it's great, 8 verse 19. Paul says, the creation, picture it, mountains, hills, rivers, rocks, trees, the creation waits in eager expectation. What's it waiting for? It's waiting. Someone, has, someone uses the imagery of waiting on tiptoe, waits for the sons of God to be Revealed. What's it talking about? Well, we said earlier in this series that one day when Jesus comes back, he judges the living and the dead and he gives new resurrection bodies to everyone who has put their faith in him in this lifetime. And we have new bodies to live in that are imperishable, that are glorious, that are immortal, that are spiritual. We have these new bodies, and that's the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. When you look around at creation, there is a frustration in creation. You can see it in the earthquakes and in the coronaviruses. Things aren't quite the way that they should be, which is just symptomatic of the way things aren't right in humanity as they should be ever since we rebelled against our creator. But by the will of the one who subjected it in, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. 
I don't know about you, but this body, believe it or not, is decaying. And so is yours. This whole world is in bondage to decay and sickness and disease and suffering and imperfection. But one day, the Bible says it was subjected in hope that the creation itself will be liberated and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. One of the pictures that the Bible gives us for someone who has believed in Jesus said, I want to receive forgiveness for my sins and make Jesus the the CEO of my life. One of the pictures the Bible uses for that is of a captive set free. And you can see evidence of someone who's been set free by Jesus. You can see it in their lives and in their relationships and sometimes on their faces and in their workplace. You can see it. And the Bible says that one day all of creation will be brought into the same glorious freedom of the children of God. The freedom that we will have in new resurrection bodies to enjoy in a new heavens and a new earth. What does this mean, the new heavens and the new earth? We've said it earlier, but sometimes when we think about where will we be forever, we picture ourselves on a cloud and on the cloud we've got a harp and we're playing a harp and maybe wearing a bathrobe. That's not very inspiring. But the Bible says, friends, that you weren't made for that. You and I were made to live on a new heavens and a new earth. That is this earth without the curse, this earth without the chaos, this earth without the sin and the sickness and the pain and the mourning and the crying and the death. Can you imagine that? We will live on the new earth in new bodies forever. Will there be eating in the new earth? Yes, I believe so. One of the pictures of the the new earth coming is the, the wedding feast of the lamb. Man, I'm looking forward to that feast. We're going to enjoy new food in the new heavens and new earth. We're going to have new bodies, new taste buds to taste with. Will there be dancing in the new earth? Yes, I believe so. And don't worry, those of you who can't dance in heaven in your new bodies, you will be able to dance. The devil didn't invent dancing. I uh, have a relative who goes to one of the more conservative style of church and um, they put on a WhatsApp group that they they put a picture of a lady dressed in uh, very modest clothing and the, the caption said, this is what ladies used to dress like before Satan became a tailor. And uh, I chuckle about that. And uh, sometimes we can think that Satan is the one who, who invented dancing, he didn't. And on the new heavens and the new earth, we'll be a dancing people. Will there be work in the new heavens and the new earth? Yes, I believe there will be. When Adam was put with Eve in Eden, God gave them work. He gave them a job to do. But if you can imagine work where you are just nailing it, work that you were designed for, work that is enjoyable, work with no crazy boss breathing down your neck, work in a perfect world, man, discovering and creating alongside God, ruling and reigning with him. There will be music in the new earth. That, 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 that's, that's clear from the book of Revelation. But on top of the music, there will be, I believe, painting and art and recreation that we can enjoy in our new bodies. 
I've got to bring this message in for a landing and I've got to bring this, this series in for a landing now. We wanted to encourage you to think about the next life because honestly, as we've gone through all the upheaval of this time, when we, when we said, what can we find in the scriptures that will carry God's people through this time? When we looked into our armory, the most potent weapon that we could find for this time is an understanding of the truth of heaven, where we will be for eternity. For eternity. This life is like, it's like the edge of a piece of paper in terms of brevity to the eternity that awaits you and I. And as we think about that, friends, it gives us perspective in this lifetime. And so by way of application, I wanna encourage us to think, to think th differently in three different areas. The first thing is I wanna encourage us to think differently about suffering. And this is important for all of us, but I would argue, especially if you're listening in and you're skeptical about the Christian faith and one of the objections or questions that you have relates to suffering. How can a good God allow this kind of suffering in the world? And if that's you, man, I'm living in a suffering world like you. But as I think about suffering, I find a couple of things helpful to remember. One is the God of the Bible didn't make a world to suffer and then separate himself from it. He came into this world and he suffered just like you and I. And that included being tortured and executed on a cross by a racist, oppressive government so that you and I could one day look forward to a time of no more suffering. If we want to get an understanding of the heart of God, the clearest picture can't be limited to the now. You've got to look at Genesis 1 and 2, the beginning of the story, and see how God made the heavens and the earth perfect and without sin and suffering. And you've got to look at how the Bible says that one day God will remake the heavens and the earth perfect and without sin or suffering. Does that mean that, does that negate all the suffering going on now? No, 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 but it does bring a perspective as we wrestle with these truths. We live in a broken world. And actually, the last thing I'll say about how we think about suffering is uh, C.S. Lewis, a great uh, Christian thinker. He said that if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. If you find yourself in this world and thinking, man, this isn't quite right and there's just discontent and restlessness, C.S. Lewis says that that's just one sign of many, that you and I weren't made for this world. We were made for another world. And God sent his son to show you and I the way there. Think differently about suffering. Think differently about the next world. When we think about the next world, it changes the way that we live in this world. In Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21, Jesus said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why not? Well, Jesus said that that's where moth and rust destroy. That's where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Pause there. And I don't think this is talking about just, just spiritual treasures or non-material treasures. Because we're going to live on a material heavens and earth. And man, the treasures of this world, they're passing away. But there's a way of investing in treasures in that world that we can enjoy for eternity. 
Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Think differently about suffering. Think differently about the world to come and about laying up treasure for the world to come. And lastly, to think differently about this world. Last quote for today from C.S. Lewis. He says that if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for this present world were precisely those who thought the most about the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. You think, oh, no, no, don't talk too much about heaven. That, 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 that just stops us from being effective in this world. It stops us from caring about injustice and from caring about disease and from caring about poverty. C.S. Lewis says, no, 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 no. It's when we think about the world to come that we become more effective in this world. Here's the question. Are we in a waiting room, just biding our time until we hit the eject button or the escape button and we're all ejected up into the clouds forever? That's how some people view Christianity. Or are we the army of the kingdom of God commissioned to bring heaven to earth? Jesus taught us to pray, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, when we realize that those are our marching orders to see what heaven is like, no curse, no suffering, no pain, no crying, no mourning, no death, no systemic injustice, no racism, no prejudice, no corruption. And to bring as much of that as possible onto this earth while we wait for heaven to come down to earth and become the new heavens and the new earth. Friends, when we get that, that's when the church becomes the church. And that's when you and I step into what God has made us to be and into what God has called us to do. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you for giving us such clear marching orders. We want to thank you for the encouragement and the perspective that we can get from seeing the end game, from seeing you call game over on all that is evil in this world, and to see the game-changing effects of heaven coming to earth and the new heavens and the new earth. And God, I pray for me, I pray for all of us that you'd help us to think differently about suffering in the light of that. Bring hope to every person experiencing suffering right now who's engaging with this prayer. God, I pray that you would change the way that we think about the life to come, that you would build our anticipation, that even as all creation waits on tiptoe for the sons of God to be revealed, God, we don't want to be left out of that. Would you fill us with an anticipation of the world to come? after the last tear falls. And God, would you help us to think differently about this world? That our understanding of eternity would make a difference in this time and this place. That we'd see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Nairobi, as it is in heaven. In Kenya, as it is in heaven. In Africa, 
as it is in heaven. God, in your world, the world that you love, the world that you gave your son to rescue. In your world, as it is in heaven. And everyone said, Amen.